or they didn't realize we're just getting started. Combo Nation, what up? What up? What up, everyone? Welcome to episode 96 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo. Don't forget to rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combo's Court, man. Today's show, former UConn Husky Samari Walker joins in to talk about mental health, playing for Gina Oriema, life overseas, and so much more. Make sure you go subscribe to Samari's podcast, Speak Your Truth. You know you could follow me on Instagram at 12combo. That's O-N-E-T-W-O-C-O-M-B-O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Welcome to Combo's Court, Samari, former UConn Husky, Kentucky Wildcat. Um, Samari reached out because she wanted to talk about mental health and share her story, and, and I'm glad you did, man. I'm happy to have you. How are you? Thank you, Andrew. I truly appreciate you, man. I'm great. How are you? I'm doing real well. Recording for Combo's Court, so that's always a good day, you know? Yeah, man, of course. <laughs> I definitely feel that. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning. Where, where did your hoop journey begin? You grew up in Ohio. Um, how did it all start for you? Uh, my dad, he is uh, a former basketball player. He played a little bit. Uh, he played in high school, played a little bit in college, um, tried out for a couple of NBA teams. And I um, really started to love the game when I started watching him play pickup. Um, he got me into it. And once he saw that I had like a true knack for the game and a talent, um, it went. It started full speed from there. I was maybe like five or six. Um, and I can remember he had me outside, you know, dribbling two balls at a time, uh, you know, when it was snow a lot back in the day before all this climate change and all of that. Um, right. You know, it could be middle of winter and I'm outside in a snowsuit, hat and gloves, dribbling two ball all day, um, shooting in the driveway and stuff like that. And um, my love for the game just grew and grew and grew. Um, and then it quickly, I would say, declined once I got to high school um, because then it really became a job instead of um just a hobby or something for fun right it definitely changes when business gets involved that's for sure exactly. that's why i actually enjoy playing basketball so much after my career it's, it's a funny thing I, know, right? I mean overseas was great i loved it it was a great experience mm -hmm. but you know i'm having a, a lot of time i'm having a great time just going to the gym and hooping these days you know exactly right so okay look you got recruited by uh gino um was it pretty much a no-brainer once uconn recruits you as a women's basketball player for me, yeah, I knew when I was in, like, fourth grade that I was going to UConn. Like, if I was sure of anything in my life, that's what I knew. Um, another, uh, she's not that young anymore, but one of my mentors, um, Tamika Williams, she grew up in Dayton, Ohio as well. We went to the same high school, and she also went to UConn. And um, that's kind of how I got, like, really interested in UConn basketball. And um, I didn't ever actually think they would recruit me um so it's funny because i wanted to commit to kentucky in like eighth or ninth grade when i went on my first unofficial there and uh, my dad kept telling me to wait because you know the bigger schools are going to come and all this stuff and um once that letter from UConn came my junior year it was like shoot like everybody else like i'm definitely signing 
Um, and of course, I kept my options open for a while just to make sure. But once I went for my official, it was just like I like I have to do it. Like, this is what I've always dreamt of. Um, so I'm going to do it. But looking back, I made a very um, irrational, a very biased and one sided decision. Um, it was just I knew I always wanted to go. So that that's it. And I know that they're great at basketball. So that was it. But I didn't take into account the other things that I personally needed from a school, from a coach, from teammates. Um, and that school is pretty much all basketball. Um, so I needed somewhere where I could be a little more, not social in the sense of partying, but a little more support, um, for what I was going through mentally and emotionally, but I didn't understand that. So now I understand how could anybody else recognize or understand that. That's interesting. Cause I feel in, uh, in women's basketball, even when I was overseas and I used to see the women's clubs that women's basketball does such a great job of making it more a family atmosphere. So I'm surprised to hear you say that. I I would say that it was a family atmosphere. And even, like, outside of my teammates at UConn, I had a lot of friends, um, athletes, non-athletes. and But I was only a basketball player to them. I wasn't a person, it felt like. Um, right. So, for example, like, when I was struggling with my game, it was honestly all mental. Like, clearly they had recruited me and saw I could play and I got there and something changed. So their thought was that I may not have been working hard enough. But again, I'm in the practices every day. I'm in the open gyms, all of that. So it had maybe not so obvious. Clearly, it was mental. So they would take me on the court. I had extra workouts. I had, you know, to be in the gym a little longer than some people. Um, but when I got to Kentucky, it was a little different where they paid a little more attention, a lot more attention to the mental side of it. Um, and actually, like, went through the process of setting me up with the therapist. So it was a – like, I'm not knocking them at all. Like, it was a family atmosphere. They were great, very kind people. It was nothing – like, I didn't leave because, like, there was something wrong with them or between us or the program. It was just I did not feel like I should have been there or needed to be there or even wanted to be there. Um, I, need a little, I needed a little more than just basketball at that time. Right, Gino Oriama. He'll probably go down as one, well. He will go down as one of the greatest coaches, not women's coaches, just greatest coaches. Period. Is there a, is there a story that would like encapsulate how he is as a, as a person and a coach? Um, he's very, very hard nosed, but okay. one of the most gentle people, uh, kindest people, caring people. Um, can be very encouraging, but it, he, I will say this, he reciprocates your energy. So if you're giving him 110%, he's going to give you 100, 110%. If he sees that you're serious about what you're doing, he's going to be serious and help you. And that's not just with basketball. It's with, with whatever you want to do. So he's helped a lot of his players, um, you know, get careers outside of, of professional basketball. And I know that he, you know, he would have kept his word um, if I had have stayed. But I feel like we didn't have that relationship at the time. Um, and it was more so, I, I, I can't speak for him, but it felt like he wanted me to do what he wanted me to do. And then we could talk about what I wanted to do. Um, but that is, it doesn't work like that, especially when you need me to play for you. Um, and again, just if, if I could go back, I wish that I would have been able to, um, verbalize what I was experiencing on the inside. I was looking online. I was looking through the, the publications and you know, there's always two sides to the story. So why exactly did you leave UConn? It's a lot of self-sabotage. I felt like I wasn't good enough. Um, like I wasn't ready. You were contributing though and playing, right? Like Yeah, you were, I was yeah. At, at, even started a couple of times. So a lot of people, th this is what I hate the most about everything is that nobody ever 
talk to me about it. Like I, I, there's so many articles with other people sharing their their opinions. Um, even the the woman I mentioned, Tamika Williams, she is in the article asking why did I leave? How the hell does she know? Um, my former AAU coach, my dad, my other coaches, like everybody was asked except for Samari. Um, but it was a lot of self sabotage, a lot of. Well, I just asked you. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, so finally, um, uh, 10 years later, somebody asked. But Is this really the first time? A, a lot of people, a lot of, I guess, people who have nothing to do with it will ask, um, like, just if I'm, like, training younger kids, their parents may ask. Um, when I go speak to kids and stuff, like, they'll ask what happened. But reporters and stuff, um, I don't know if it was because – you know, the media or our media people down in Kentucky told them not to ask or what, but it's, I don't, I don't remember anybody ever like asking me in like, uh, you know, for an article or anything like that. Yeah. Gino, Gino said that he was uh, surprised that you left because you got, you told them that you didn't love the game anymore. Can you speak to that? Was that true? Yeah, it's very true. I okay. honestly feel like I stopped loving the game in high school and began to operate out of something called survival mode, which is something I actually just learned about. And it's basically, uh, um, I'm reading Urban Meyer's book, Above the Line. And survival mode basically means like, you know, I don't like this. For example, I don't like this drill or this, you know, this workout, but I have to get through it. Let's just get through it. Um, and that's what it was, was like, let me just get through this because I know I have to do it. I know this is what it is expected of me from not just my coaches, but from my family, from my friend, who I thought were my friends, from the fans. So let me just do it so that I look good to everybody else. But I was suffering because that's not what I wanted. Um, and so when I left, I actually wanted to go to USC originally, um, Southern Cal, because I wanted to study fashion design. And my dad kind of, I don't want to say he suckered me, but he, he used my brother as bait to get me to come closer to home because my brother, we have a 12, 13 year age difference. And he was saying like, you know, why would you want to go that much further from your brother again, blah, 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 from your family. Um, so it was a uh, also a lot of just listening to everybody else and what they wanted instead of really listening to my heart and following my dreams. But at the end of the day, I don't regret it at all um, because I never would have gotten the experience that I had and I met some amazing people at both UConn and Kentucky um, got a lot of the help that I needed when I was there and also still had the opportunity to play professionally overseas so definitely not complaining and glad I was able to operate out of survival mode for so long um, but I'm also glad that I was able to get out of that because it has changed my life tremendously speaking of overseas um, when you're overseas you definitely there's times where things will be isolated you know mm -hmm. um, I never dealt with depression but I could see why that idle time, that downtime could, could be something that could really bring depression out, you know, sure. it, 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 it's just like, and then there's language barriers and then there's, uh, the food might not be what you're used to eating. Mm -hmm. Um, how did you handle playing overseas? How was it for you? Uh, initially it was tough before I will say this before I got on the plane, I told myself to just be as open as possible because I don't know what the heck I'm getting myself into. Right, right. Yo, that that first that first plane ride is crazy, right? That yeah, first, part, yeah. You don't you don't know what you're getting into, and exactly. then if you go to a new country, it's like a whole new story, you know? Exactly, it's a whole yeah. new world, and um, and yeah. even getting on the plane for that long, I'm like, are we ever gonna get there? Oh and, man. Um, yeah, and then getting there, it was Spain is amazing. Um, the people were great, the food was amazing, but it was just like I'm here, like you said, like I'm by myself. These people don't speak English. Yeah, um, my teammates spoke English, um, but I was the only American. And there was one um, young lady who 
is from Latvia, but she had played four years of college ball here in America. And so we could somewhat relate, but it still just was not the same at all. And um, But I tried to immerse myself in it as much as possible, spending time with my teammates, uh, definitely going out a lot on my own and stuff like that. I used to go shopping damn near every day at Zara. Um, so oh, okay. Yeah, sounds like that sounds like the good life. Mistake, mistake. <laughs> it was a great life, but big mistake going shopping that much. Okay. <laughs> but, but no, you got to learn though. Live and learn. Yeah. Live and learn. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's definitely how I dealt with it, and a lot of um, just spending time figure. Which this was also probably not the best at that time, but I spent a lot of time trying to think about what I was going to do after basketball. Um, it's just, not a bad thing. It's yeah. not a bad thing. Yes, to, for me. Because I started to to disassociate myself from what I was doing in the present. So, like, for yeah. example, um, my third year, second year in Sweden, um, I was I wanted to still be a fashion designer. And I do have a clothing line. Um, but I was, like, planning it there and trying to do it. But I was needing to be here in America. So, like, I would be in games or in practice, like, thinking about, is this getting done right? Like, I was having my mom and my girlfriend at the time do stuff for me. So, it was, like, a lot of stress trying to be in two places at once, basically. Um, and I really feel like that took a, a lot of it, um, took away from a lot of my experiences that I had over there. And I really, at a point, stopped enjoying it. And it's crazy because I was in some of the most beautiful places around some of the most amazing people. And I was I just could never be present. I was always you know, what's next, what's next, what's next, what's next. Um, and I also think that's just just athletes in general is we're always a step ahead or a few steps ahead. Because that's how you have to play. You always have to think next play. Exactly. And even yeah. just your day-to-day -day in college, like it's okay, I got practice, but then I got to go to class and I got study hall, then I got this and I got this. So our brains never stop. And I'm like that to this day. Like uh, my girlfriend this morning was like, do you ever wake up and just like relax and let your mind relax? But I can't. Like I'm always thinking, okay, I did this, so now what? Because um, I'm never content or satisfied. So uh, I think that's a pro yeah. con, depending on how you use it. If you can use it to your advantage, it's definitely a pro. But if you let it take you out of the present moment, it's for sure a con. Yeah, I think it can help you accomplish things, but then will you be able to enjoy those accomplishments? Exactly. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, I definitely had that mentality in the beginning. And then towards the end of my career, I started slowing down and realizing I was in a different country and just like, you know, even just something like walking around the town because mm -hmm. I knew I wouldn't be in places like this forever. I think I really started enjoying it. And exactly. overseas, overseas was an amazing experience. And to what you were saying before, when you're over there, the one tough part about it is, though, is that people are living their lives. They have their families but you're just there to play basketball and they're going to go on with their life. And that's not their fault. They're supposed to do that, you know, Exactly. but you, you could feel like that, that idle time or even alone time a little too much, but for, for sure. sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. You're spending like what, 10, 12 hours, if not more, just by yourself. Right. Like pra practice is two hours. Okay. On, on, on some teams, which not many, you have two a days and that's probably not even going to happen during the season when mm -hmm. like the games really start get rolling. You have so much idle time, you know? Exactly. And it's like, what do I do? Where do I go? And sometimes you don't feel like doing anything. So you're just in the bed all day watching Netflix. Um, or like <laughs> when I was in Finland, it was too cold to go anywhere. Like if we wanted to, it was like, mm, never mind. It's too cold. So right. It really depends. I don't know if you ever put any thought into this, but a lot of WNBA players, and I'm sure a lot of them are your friends, um, they're asking, they want a greater revenue share of the WNBA. Did you ever put any thought into how this could be done? I honestly, 
Yes, and but I don't know how logical it is. Yeah, and I really, just feel like if the NBA would just—they make so much money. Um, for, for you know, and I understand they have to pay the players, and especially now you got to pay them way more. Um, but if they just gave a little bit more money, um, to the organization itself, I don't know exact. And I also think, and I had a conversation with this, um, about this with my former coworkers, and we were all saying how like if you put teams in these places where you have big basketball uh, school. So if you put a team in Tennessee, if you put a team in Kentucky, um, right. In places like that, like Connecticut is probably, they always get fans. Exactly. Yeah. And then you yeah. have to put the players that either went to those schools or are from there on those teams, just like they do the NBA. Like it was no surprise. LeBron went to the, to the Cavs or other people who get drafted to their hometowns. So why wouldn't he do the same thing for the women? So Candace Parker is from Chicago. I'm sure if they had Chicago Sky back then, like she would have been, they they would have been done really well because all of her fans would have came to watch her play. Or same thing if they had a team in Tennessee. All of the Tennessee fans, I know the Kentucky fans will love a women's basketball team there. So I I don't little stuff like that. But again, how do you go about doing that? So that's the the next step is okay. We we there are I'm sure they've already they already know what they can do. It's just now let's do it. How are we going to do it? What advice would you give to um, a young player struggling with mental health? I would first advise them to talk to somebody that they trust, uh, preferably not a friend because they really can't help you. Um, so it would have to be your, your parent, a guidance counselor, if you have mentors already, a teacher, somebody. Um, and even if it, if it has to be a friend at first, just just get it out um acknowledge it because it, it you know when something isn't right um and especially nowadays where parents seem to be a little more open than like back when I told my parents something was wrong with that I felt something was wrong with me they completely like shut me out like nope you're just you're just going through adolescence or puberty or whatever but now it seems like parents are listening a little more so tell your parents like I need to, I think I might need a therapist um or can we try counseling um and also just know that it gets better. So try as hard as it is, try not to really succumb to your depression or whatever, anxiety, whatever it is that you're going through. Um, and since we have social media, there's so many pages on social media that you can follow that um, helps you with that. They even help me with my mental health and different things that I can try, such as journaling or meditating, yoga, um, different quotes and stuff to, to go by. Um, but just, I think the main thing is acknowledging it first and then talking to somebody. And then after that, what else can I do to brighten up my day in my life? Tell us more about your podcast and what's your mission with it. So my podcast is called speak your truth. Um, it's a podcast detailing or having conversations about, um, the intersection of mental health and athletes and sports. And I talk to other current and former athletes about their journeys. So, a lot of it we'll talk about, you know, like me and you did, our upbringing, um, where we've played it and stuff like that, but also other things that may have contributed to um, their struggles or their success with mental health. So I've had um, former, former, and, uh, former and current athletes who um, have been maybe sexually abused, who have been robbed at gunpoint, who have dealt with um, illnesses such as cancer, people who have grown up like in poverty and stuff like that. So things that the, the fans and people on the outside don't see that we go through. Um, and my, my journey and my mission is to rehumanize the athlete. So 
have people look at us as actual human beings first, then athletes second. And understanding that we have lives outside of our sport, like, yes, we are thankful for fans, but we really aren't doing it for you. Um, we have ourselves, first and foremost. We have our families, our friends, um, and we go through things just like the average person. Our talent does not erase um, us having normal problems, normal people problems. And that's something that, that frustrated me as a young person um, is that people just expect you to always be on your A game when I'm a 20-something-year-old kid dealing with the relationship with myself, um, my relationship with my significant others, my family, um, trying to figure out if I'm going pro or not, trying to trying to even figure out do I still want to play basketball um, and being in places where I, you know, really didn't want to be but felt like I had to be. So just trying to just make people realize that we aren't robots um, and we have feelings too. So a little bit uh, – sometimes it gets emotional, but it's a great show on a podcast for for anybody, not just for athletes, for anybody to understand that, like, we all go through something and there's – a, a way another way to look at it to maybe help you get through it and get better well samari uh, it was great having you here you're always welcome back on the show anything else you'd like to share with no, us man i said i really appreciate you for having me for getting me on here so quick and um definitely need to get you on speak your truth i would love to talk to you about your journey with basketball how you got let's to do it here. yeah we got to plan it out man you have my number so just hit me up i will i will talk soon samari thank you, talk thank soon you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Combos Court. Big shouts to Samari for joining in. We appreciate you. Go share this episode with a friend. Rate, review, punch down on that subscribe button right on your Apple Podcast app or wherever you listen to Combos Court, man. Be on the lookout for episode 97. Combo out.